0: How do you guys feel about egg steam? Sorry? You know, it didn't occur to me until recently how much I love egg steam. Sorry, what are you saying? Egg steam. What could that mean? Well. What could it mean? As as you might know, since the pandemic, I've been making my own eggs. Previously, I would walk the five to 10 minutes to the deli and they'd make me eggs, which was really nice. But now I just stay at home and make my own eggs. And I love eating the eggs, as you all know. It's one of my favorite things. But it occurred to me recently that one of my favorite parts of it is the egg steam, which I will now explain. After you make the eggs and you plate the eggs, um, I go and I take the nonstick pan and I drop it in the sink and I spray it with water. And you know what comes up? What? Egg steam. Okay. The remnants of the eggs are now steamed and I'm like inhaling like direct eggs. Straight, you, now, are, uh,
1: do you then throw the cooked eggs in the garbage? Like, I don't need these, <laughs> I just got it
0: right from the source. It didn't occur to me until today that maybe I could just skip the actual eating of the eggs. Right. But you but just don't inhale eggs, the good stuff. No,
2: it, eggs seems like, it smells like farts. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's bad egg steam smells like farts. You're Sulfur. using those
1: California eggs. It's the problem. You get yeah. all this non-GMO garbage. And of course, it's every egg naturally smells like farts.
0: Yeah. If you're going to do egg steam, organic egg steam is the only way to go. Locally grown. You're worth and it. Steamed. Egg steam. They, I, I, honestly, this is the new Soylent. Like, think of how quick people could get through breakfast if they just inhale it literally. There's nothing more depressing than soil. You're the the
1: soil of people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My name is Justin McRae, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Flant, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Ross Farfick, now the best game
0: of the week. Uh, but yeah, Griffin's not here. Griffin
1: has, I guess, shoulder problems. He has tennis elbow. Is ga- we thumb? Scott, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> we tennis elbow. Too much wee tennis, so he's not joining us today. But you know who is joining us today? No more heroes. The third, well, not really. Third, there's probably some other. There's some weird offshoots,
0: right? Yes, of I'm going to trust Plant knows the entire yeah. timeline of the No More Heroes series. But Travis Touchdown is here.
1: Oh, you got you booked, Travis Touchdown? Not literally, no. Not literally, but the game, yeah. Uh, no more heroes. What is it?
2: Uh, no more heroes. for uh, well, three is the third main entry in the No More Heroes franchise, uh, which I think they've all debuted on n- Nintendo consoles. Is that right? Is no more heroes two. Where did that? Where did that premiere?
0: Where did that premiere? I remember the first one came out on, on Wii, Wii because it was a big uh, game for uh, Waggle. There was a oh. lot of waggling, and there is still waggling. Came in this
1: out one, this no, one. Came out on Wii in twenty ten. Wow, right. been a lo- yeah. a much longer time since the last it, proper No More Heroes game. Oh, that was the second was that, one.
2: Came out on Wii. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. In wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway. No More Heroes 3 is the third main entry in the No More Heroes series, uh, I guess best known for appearing on the Nintendo Wii, where you play as Travis Touchdown, a otaku with a beam saber, who fights evil dudes. In this one, you are climbing the top ten assassin list by murdering them one by one, so you can fight the baddest dude in the galaxy, basically. Uh, Me. Yeah, you get to fight hoops, so everybody the should give it, it a try. Come for the king. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's it.
1: It's been a long time since the last one of these, to uh, 11 years since the last main one, to
0: be exact. And we're going to talk about it right after this. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply.
1: No more heroes. If, you haven't, if you're not familiar with this franchise, or I would say, you know, in a certain uh to a certain extent the the work of of Suda 51 um this it is a i guess like intentionally trashy b-movie sort of vibe is like the the best way of sort of uh,
0: yeah people into it i i i get like a trauma film vibe out of it like uh you know that kind of toxic crusader a toxic avenger rather uh, but it's like, I mean, it's weird not to oversimplify it, but it's a weird, it's eye. a
1: very, it's a hype. Like you heard about people doing too online. I feel like this is like, the. <laughs> th- this is like too. plugged in. It's like, it's like a, it's, it's meta to the point of being sort of like it, intentionally so, but it's like very aware of all of its influences to a point where it gets kind of like fourth wall breaky yeah. uh,
2: about it. I I think the best comparison is it's a Scott Pilgrim video game, effectively. Mm. And and, and here's the logic. It's full of pop culture references. Like, everything in this game is a pop culture reference, from the beam sword obviously being a lightsaber to the fact that when you teleport back from fighting bad guys, it's the, like, Terminator um, time warp orb that you appear in. Just itty-bitty weird details uh just like uh Scott Pilgrim the story is you you know killing trained assassins to work your way up to like the big bad one um and i would say it kind of is doing with anime what Scott Pilgrim did with comic books where you know Scott Pilgrim is using the comic book frames and visuals as it's kind of meta here in this game like each I guess probably like forty five minutes is its own anime episode, complete with intro credits, commercial breaks, outro credits.
1: Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of, to a certain extent, like Ready Player One in that in that regard too, where it's like very much has all its influences on its sleeve, um, and uh, is is sort of like leaning into the power fantasy of like, what if you were the baddest dude in the in the galaxy? Um, but, but I think sort of like trashier and a little more grindhouse than, than that would, would imply, um,
0: um, a- as an actual game, I know we've talked about like the yes. style court, you know, of it, uh, as an actual game, it is a third person action game, you know, calls to mind Bayonetta and, uh, other like platinum action games, you know, heavy attack, light attack, dodge, pretty typical stuff there, um. It feels pretty good as an action game, but I, I, I never get the sense that that is the reason I'm there. Um, it almost is a um, fi- almost feels like filler to get to the parts that are like, here's this weird mini game where you're shooting whale things. Uh, and here's, you know, I don't know. That's never. Yeah. Been. Yeah.
2: I, I thought I thought that for the first couple of hours, probably like the first two or three hours. It's a slow build. But having played um, quite a bit more, you unlock a lot more abilities. Um, Did you get to the point where you are using, like, you hold down the left uh, trigger and then you can select from, like, hurling people across the room or doing, like, a a dive kick across the room or releasing, like, a little, like, robot-ish thing that, like, attacks them on your behalf? What do they call those?
1: They're death glove abilities, something like that?
2: Yeah, I for me it felt like once I had that, and once I was um, going to the lab and upgrading my character, which I honestly did not. I like stumble across it. I don't remember it forcing me to learn about the laboratory. Um, once I had that, it felt a-, a lot more playful. Like I felt like when I was in combat sessions that I was, I don't know, being creative with how I wanted to take on enemies and. Especially uh, as there were, you know, probably like, I don't know, a dozen or so different creatures that I w- would start each, I guess, round looking at the battlefield, seeing uh, like, oh, there here's a character that fires these like plasma balls that are going to make just fighting this space really chaotic. And I, I should take out them first. And then there's this um, kind of like... Uh, I don't know like frog type of creature that that splashes around the world and that that's kind of be my second priority and then there are these foot soldiers that whatever I can avoid them until the end and then I'll just obliterate them um, mm-hmm. I I found it pretty rewarding once I got to that point that said it's a pretty slow build um, and yeah it, it's I don't know it kind of reminds me of what we talked about with axiom verge 2 last week where to get to the fun part the story helped me, like, along the way. Just the, the just the pure goofiness of everything got me uh, through those first three hours.
1: Yeah, yeah it's very, it's very, um, it, it is sort of this weird hybrid between, like, being sort of a, s- almost sophomoric sort of, like, lowbrow comedy thing. Where, like, I'll give you an example, like, you, when you save your game, you have to go into the toilet and have a poop. <laughs> so that's how you save your game. <laughs> very Hilarious, conqueror. right? I mean, so funny. But it's uh, like that's sort of part of it, but it's also like surreal in 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 like in a way that a lot of games like don't attempt. It makes very little effort to make you feel sort of like comfortable or in control. Uh, it, a a really good touchstone for this are like I feel like a connective tissue with something like um Deadly Premonition, where it's like th- th- it is using the fact that it is a video game to communicate the story in a way that is non-linear and sort of like abstract and dreamlike, um, and, and 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 in a way that makes it feel sort of it's kind of hypnotic because it's just so bizarre and it's making so many bizarre choices so often that you're sort of like on your heels for a lot of it, or at least that was my my experience.
0: I, I do get the sense, though, that, like, and you mentioned the pooping, which happens a lot. There there are a lot of, like, recurring gag things. There's an element of which, you know, to uncover the map, you have to, like, unclog a toilet that are, like, pretty, f- like, you know, huh cute oh, that was goofy the first time, and then, like, a bunch of times later, it kind of loses some of its charm. I also think... It, I get the sense that, like, this feels padded to me, like, in ways that it just shouldn't be. Hmm. Like, the idea that you have to do these little fights uh, in each of the areas to unlock the ability to, do, to like, progress the story. And I know that they throw in some, like, curveballs here and there, but generally speaking, like, I don't know, it feels like a five-hour game that was padded to a 20-hour game by adding those elements. Plan, I know you've played dark. more, it- but...
1: It starts so stro- to speak to that beginning thing before Plant talks about how where sorry of experience there. It, it starts so strong. It's this very funny yeah. opening cinematic where about the it's a, the classic story of like a little boy taking care of an alien and helping this adorable little alien and helping <laughs> him get back home. And it's and it's like the alien grows into a full grown space warlord and comes back to earth where this kid helped him to escape and decides that he is going to help the kid uh take over the planet and starts just killing everyone like so many people and then in great like super bad guy fashion in in a video game he says like okay I won't take over the planet if anyone can fight me and beat me and Travis Touchdown is the dude. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll take it up. And you instantly are thrown into this, like, y- ranking system, as plain alluded to, where you're working through the different bat- – that's the structure, right? You're killing your way through the bosses until you get to the top. And the first, like, hour is so, like, it's that cinematic. And then it's, like, these big action sequences and big fights. And then you're fighting the first boss. And it's all this weird, like, explaining the lore to you. And then it drops you into sort of a very ho-hum, boring open world where there are some like very boring things to go do. And for me, it was just like absolute momentum killer. Like found myself from going from like completely hooked to like really forcing myself to pick it back up.
2: (laughs) I, I, I think all of that is, I don't know. It's totally fair. I, what I like about it is that momentum killer. I th- I think it's hilarious. And I think it is... I don't know. The first No More Heroes was really provocative because it was a giant open world in which you did nothing. And a lot of critics at the time, you know, I guess appreciated that because it was pointing out the, I guess, vacuous nature of most open world games. And I think this game continues to do that, where... You, you know, each kind of chunk of the open world is inspired by different video games or different kind of like pieces of media. So there is one, I think the second one you get to is the Mad Max style wasteland and there's a Call of Duty one. There's like a 1950s America one. And the way that they make these games is they strip away everything that is meant to fake you into believing that a thing is real. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, in in a AAA open-world game, there's a store that you go into, and every one of these games, you know, buy your items, right? And you have to collect a certain amount of cash to go buy the item. And they try to really create the illusion of, you've earned, these are hard-earned things, and now you're going to the store, and this is a real store where people, NPCs, are walking around. In this game, it's a literal just cheapo, basically cheapo, it's not quite that, alien dude standing out inside of front of like literally just a random building in whichever world you're in and he's like hey here's a t-shirt like you don't have to pay for it you you've done various stuff i'm i'm sure you've earned it have a t-shirt uh it is so stripped down um to the point of being funny and also being kind of like uh, for me anxiety relieving cuz it's just like whatever I, when i see that that thing i know i'm going to get a t-shirt versus Having to like think about how I'm going to go in and you know grind to to get stuff in any other video game. That said, I mean it is provocative. I, I, I it is off putting. I mean the mini games that y'all are talking about. Again, they are not saving the world. There is an extremely tedious game of mowing lawns. Um, there mm-hmm. is the you can um, throw a, a ball to your cat. That's a mini game. There's a mining mini game. The, the, what I, I, I guess my defense of this, if I'm being, you know, like, if I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, is that they could have spent a lot of money and time trying to make these things that you do for three or four minutes. Excellent. But the joke works either way. Like the the joke of like, oh, yeah. you are stopping to mow the lawn or you are stopping to play with your cat. You're only going to do it for a few minutes. it's not necessary so for me it's like whatever i i don't need them to burn cash to make this like rock star quality good um i got the joke and now i can move on and that's kind of how i felt with most of the game the second i got what i wanted out of something i i said peace and went to do whatever i wanted to do next
1: it's a little bit harder for me because there are some... I, I want to be on board with that because normally that is my default. But, like, there are some weird difficulty spikes in this game that are very much contrary to that
2: sort of, like, go with the
1: flow, have your fun, and move on kind of thing.
2: Interesting. When you say difficulty spikes, do you just mean, like, the combat got more challenging? It's a hard... It's I,
0: I had to move it down to easy, which meant restarting the game. I actually found it quite difficult.
2: I... I'm at a loss here because I am not good at Souls games like y'all are and I I at no point found this game challenging. In fact, I think it like I found it pretty forgiving because when you lose in a battle, if you lose, it turns on a roulette table and that roulette table gives you like some pretty huge benefits. Either it like just revives you full health back in the battle or it gives you 1.5 times damage in the next round. Or it, any of various buffs. So I, I thought that was I, I really liked that as a solution in general. I wish more games did this. Of hey, it's automatically you lost here, so you must be struggling a little. So here's like a random thing to make it easier next time.
1: Mm-hmm. I I think I mean there. I'm obviously quibbling about it in Russia's too, but like I think that the. main thrust of the thing like the the just the vibe overall is like makes it pretty easy to recommend to people just because it's like so distinct and it's so unlike um anything else that is going on it's so nice to have a game and we're going to talk about this a little bit in the in the second half of the show but like having a game where you can really feel the person making it and feel their like passion and the things that they care about um, I, I think that the, it is one of those games where it's like, you know, not all of this lands for me, but, like, the world is better yeah. for having, you know, No More Heroes 3 in it.
2: I, I, I will say the one thing that uh, anybody who's aware of Suda's games uh, in general, or specifically No More Heroes, uh, maybe you bounced off them because they w- were kind of creepy and fetishistic and misogynistic in certain ways. This game is better. It's better. than than previous ones, but I think you can really feel this tension between uh, the old habits of uh, Suda and kind of someone who's a bit older and becoming more socially aware, and I am going to, I saw there was a debate in the bestie subreddit (laughs) about spoilers, I'm going to spoil, I I don't know, probably a fight that's like five hours in, so take the next two minutes off if you don't want to hear that, Um, did any of you make it to the Kimmy Love fight? no okay so throughout the game it, it seems simple that you're going to fight these assassins that are ranked and quickly that is not the case um there's a an assassin that you build up all uh, this huge fight towards and at the very beginning of it instead of that fight happening you get a concert from this woman named kimmy love who you met in previous games and she is doing like a like I don't know, kind of Britney Spears-esque pop idol concert with big stuffed animals behind her that have like laser eyes that can damage you. She immediately slaughters the assassin that you were supposed to fight. And now you have to fight who I guess is kind of like your ex slash stalker. And it's this pretty fun fight with some frustrating camera angles against this character. But then you kill her and it is exceedingly bloody and phallic you throw her to the ground and then it is I, I can't even just describe it but you stabbing her in a way that is like a lot the the, the symbolism is not subtle in blood sprays everywhere like it covers the world in blood i mean it is it's a lot so then your character's wife who is relevant to the game, shows up, and she's like, oh, you know, good job. You, you 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 killed another bad person. And while this is happening, the world's covered in blood, and Travis Touchdown is like, that's it. I won't kill another woman ever again. But while he's saying that it cuts to your wife taking a selfie with the corpse of this woman covered in blood, it is truly weird. And I don't I don't know if it <laughs> I, I don't know what it's doing I don't know if it is aware And it's mocking itself I I don't know what it's going for I don't know if it's like mocking like Brian De Palma Style violence like Body double I don't I I really don't know Um, But it was like pretty Jarring Well I would
0: say the good news is that People at this point probably have A good sense of whether this is something they would Want to play or not <laughs> <laughs> right 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 so we've definitely checked that box um and uh yeah go go with god i guess
1: (laughs) best of luck uh we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about tours in games and you know more other stuff uh but stay with us we'll be right back you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts Your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com/slash besties. That's Mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
2: Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week. rocketmoney.com slash besties the idea
1: of of auteurs in gaming is interesting i feel like it's harder At least this is my impression as somebody who's been doing it for a while uh, writing about it for a while it seems harder for an auteur in gaming because it is such a collaborative uh expansive thing it seems harder for there to be people who have individual voices Making games, or at least that was certainly the case, I, I would say, before the sort of like uh indie wave of like the mentally 2000s. But yeah, I don't know, it's it's interesting. I feel like you d- it actually maybe kind of had its day, and we're maybe moving away from it now at this point.
0: I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I think you do not see a lot of this, what No More Heroes 3 is, uh, in. $60 games. I think that is the delineator. Uh, yeah. I think you see it a ton in indie games. You know, uh, Stardew Valley is an auteur game. Uh, Axiom Verge 2, auteur game. These are games that are made effectively by one person. Um, uh, okay, see, I want I wanted to slightly disagree with you on
1: that. Okay, I feel like this idea of it being made by one person, to me, is not what would qualify as, like, an auteur game. Oh, someone's I think, individual
0: voice, you mean?
1: Like, I feel like if you compare axiom verge with braid right hmm. braid felt like one person's singular vision and sort of like them communicating something about their life their experience um and i'd in a way that like i do not feel like you get from um like number no Heroes. three feels like suda opening up his mind palace and yeah. letting you like walk around <laughs> like i don't i don't get that sense from as many you know, games, even though I think it's more common for an individual person to make a game these days, I don't feel like it is as common for them to insert as much of themselves into
0: it. Yeah. I guess the delineator with the examples I mentioned is that both Stardew and Axiom Verge were both games that are very, very clearly inspired by games that came before. And these folks Mm. were like, Oh, I can do that better. or I can do that in a different way, but not in a way that feels like totally worlds different. Whereas, yeah, as you said, um, you know, certain, certainly pseudo 51 is an example. You know, the, the the one that jumped to my mind of like the first one of these that I ever played was uh, Out of This World, uh, which was made by Chahi and uh, that team and uh, also known as Another World in Europe for what it's worth. And that game, we've talked a little bit about it on the show, but that game came out at a time where like adventure games like that were generally pretty straightforward and like followed a pretty rote, path and this was this weird you're thrown into this alien world with no idea what's going on or how to interact with it and it just felt like a completely original experience that didn't really have any analog to any other game in there so like that came out of nowhere for me
2: um but i
0: don't know if you guys had other examples
2: uh yeah i mean i going to the like solo creator who i who i think does make their own things. The two that come to mind for me are Nina Freeman, um, who made uh, How Do You Do It? in Sabelle. And I, I would say her games are, I don't know, exploring like sex and relationships, especially through the eyes of young women. Um, and then the other one that comes to mind, probably the first, I guess, cheer that I came in contact with from the indie scene would be Anna anthropy um, who made uh Dysphoria mm-hmm. and uh Mighty Jill Off. But I, I think like that for me is I guess what comes like when you say Arture, those are the type of people that I think of. And then the other one who I I I guess is the big AAA one other than Yoko Taro of Nier, is uh Kojima. I mean, Death Stranding is feels extremely Auture driven and that here is a game that is about shipping and could not have been made without uh just somebody basically putting their personal reputation on the line um, and is filled with his friends I mean it is just it you know where no more heroes has characters talking about Takashi Mike films. Kojima just puts his favorite directors in his games. Just outright Guillermo del Toro is, appears you know, in the
1: game. I wonder if, and I might be uh, over uh, overthinking this, I wonder if the like sort of state of uh, dialogue between people who play video games and people who create video games and how sort of like miserable that has gotten in the past five years, I wonder if it... Has has really put a damper on this idea of like making a game that is that personal and you know this idea of like an auteur game where you would uh, I wonder if some people are are more hesitant to imbue a lot of themselves in 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 a game like they don't want to center themselves um, as much in the, in the narrative as as we saw creators do a lot in the you know late
2: two thousands I I have to imagine that they're still in their own games. I just think the uh, the tendency of like, and here's a feature about this developer and they're just like their video game. I think that has died off both out of, of lack of appetite on the media side and yeah, out of people making assumptions that everything in a video game is, is tied to their creator.
1: I, I think it's pretty hard to make a video game. So I think that it's hard. <laughs> like, I, I imagine it's really hard to make something that personal. Um but I think it's cool when it happens. Y'all, we got some reader mail. Yeah, what are people? What are people saying? What's What's on the the mind of the public consciousness?
2: Yeah, I'm hoping Fresh can walk us through the, these. Uh, basically, we we asked uh, folks for some of their favorite cult video games.
0: Mm, yeah, uh, we did, and uh, the first one comes from John Norman. Uh, asking us, so y'all remember Monster uh, Monster Rancher? I still fondly think back at the hours spent turning my parents' CD collection into an army of monsters. No, I do not. Maybe you guys do, but I have no
1: yeah, affinity a, for Monster was a, Rancher. G- it was basically like a game where you would. Put, <laughs> it was a game about like collecting and trading monsters. I think in the sense of like not unlike a sort of like Pokemon and ideal, and not a an nice aesthetic, but you would put CDs that you had around your house into the console and they would like make like different cds would generate different monsters any cd not like specific cds any cd
0: yeah it was just pulling the binary basically off of the cd and turning into like a random code that would be a monster exactly was that the one with the green eye there was the guy that looked like he had one big eye and
2: yeah and he was like smashing through the gem the jewel case sure they're supposedly, looking at the Wikipedia page, apparently
1: a, a remaster collection of Monster Rancher 1 and 2 is expected to release in December 2021. Woo! So, so we shall see. I mean, no, I don't... Discs are not as much of a thing anymore. I don't know. That's We're going to have a lot of CDs
0: lying around to pop in. Uh, we got another uh, tweet from... This is from Dearheart. My favorite cult game has to be Deadly Premonition... The offbeat charm of the townsfolk, especially Agent Francis York Morgan, makes the not-so-great gameplay and the endless driving scenes worth slogging through. It's a game where characters really make the game worth visiting. You mentioned this earlier, I think, Justin. Um, Yeah, I've had—it's a
1: frustrating—that's like a weird—I get so frustrated by Deadly Premonition, and I love the vibe and all of that stuff about it so much, but, like, I hate, 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 hate playing this game with like another guide open in another window telling me when to go which place so i can see this scene and and i hate playing deadly premonition so much it really makes me sad because i've gotten like a decent way into it a couple times and i just i don't have the the gut the guts to go back in and do it again
0: yeah uh last uh tweet comes from b aquaman Mountain Blade Warband is so good. Uh, it's ugly as sin, but the freedom is amazing. I once had a vassal of a kingdom, earned many honors and lands for the king, requested Duke's, uh, requested Duke's daughter's hand, was refused, eloped with the bride, joined the enemy, and then imprisoned her father. Uh, once again, all these games are games I haven't played, but that sounds pretty wicked.
1: Um, you know the one that, when we were talking about both cult games and tour, the one that sticks out to me is Seaman. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, which, yeah. if you'd ever played it, was a really, truly unique game where you used a microphone that was plugged into the Dreamcast controller um, made by uh, – and, and you controlled a – well, not controlled even – interacted with a living creature that started off as, like, a, a tadpole and grew into a uh, humanoid-type creature with some, like, fish stages in between – uh, who would react to the things that you said and would develop a relationship with you and you had to keep happy and healthy. Uh, and it was truly, truly, truly like a wild product. It is wild that it existed. Um, and to who created the game, like didn't make a lot of other stuff. He made Ute Tower and Sim Tower and this and then Odama, which was like a microphone controlled <sighs> ball rolling game ball rolling game is the best way of like describing it. And then he's like been out of the game since then, which is wild. Uh, but yeah, Man is one that like, I I still think about a lot.
0: Cool. Uh, uh, Audible mentions, anything we want to call out? Uh, I do. I'm going to just jump right in and say, I'm still playing Spunky 2. Spunky 2 on Switch. Let me just tell you, at the end of a long day, I know it seems like it would be a stressful <laughs> game, but at this point, I know that game so well that it is like the most relaxing thing in the world because I, it's like, I, I feel like I'm Neo. I know everything that could possibly happen. Now, granted, I don't always do great. I sometimes die. That happens. But you know what? Neo sometimes gets shot. It happens too. Um, but man, Spunky Two on Switch is just chilling on the couch playing that game. It feels incredible. I love uh,
1: we well, we had the one that we're gonna. There's the main one that I played this week is the one that I finished. But we're gonna talk about next week, which is uh, Forgotten City. So if you wanna dip into that go go check it totally out I got into Wildermyth Chris Plant I've seen so many freaking people talking about Wildermyth mm. and I, is it did you just start that like is it just you forcing that conversation is there any other reason people are talking about this game right now
2: uh so I heard about it from Mike Maharty our reviews editor he he had really been pushing me on it so I I can't take full credit but I have been, um, I've been diligent making sure that the internet knows about this game. It,
1: it's so weird. Like, the, our, uh, you talked about it, and now, like, our graphic designer is is play- tweeting about Wildermyth. Montaigne, the woman who made the theme song for My Brother. by the way, is tweeting about, like, love in Wildermyth. It's like, why is he playing Wildermyth? It came out, it came yes. out in 2018. Played has too much power. <laughs> Are you liking it? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's cool. It's really neat. I yeah. mean, I don't. I don't uh, it's just like a really neat. I don't know. It's really
2: neat. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> we'll need to cool. do a B segment on just that game at some point because I I think people really like that game. Um, anyway, my thing. Uh, it sounds like a video game, but it's a TV show slash documentary. Hundred Foot Wave on HBO Max. Are any of y'all watching this? No. Oh my gosh! It's a it's a documentary. Uh, a series that spans like, I don't know, at least 12 years. And it's about a dude who uh, is chasing effectively 100-foot waves, and he finds uh, an area, I believe off the coast of Spain or Portugal, um, where he thinks he can he can achieve this. And it goes uh, on a journey from there. Uh, but you all watching... Does he want to surf the wave? He wants to Is surf the, the wave. But, like, th- this area where this wave crest basically just killed, from what I can tell, dozens if not hundreds of members of this community over the last 200 years. Like, it was, like, a notoriously hmm. deadly area. It looks almost impossible to surf this without just immediately crashing against these huge, uh, sharp rocks. Um, and, yeah, I mean, outside of the, the occasional horror of these sorts of documentaries it's just so chill to watch surfing in high definition like 4k after work like what a what a good vibe that is um so yeah i i, I really recommend it i have a feeling it's going to become less good vibes as the show goes on because that's how these things tend to go but right now i'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> the good vibes uh i wanted to thank these
0: people really quickly for writing reviews for the besties. Thank you very much to uh, great horn artworks, Cherry B, Jim Rat, Jim, uh, queer podcast enthusiast and ha Mario was already used. Uh, thank you for writing reviews and thank you to everyone else who wrote reviews uh, for the podcast, we really appreciate it on A- Apple podcasts or just tweet about it as well. But uh, we always appreciate those reviews. Uh, Plant, you wanna recap everything we talked about?
2: Yes, here are all the games we talked about uh, today. We spoke about No More Heroes 3. Then, very quickly, we spoke about these Achir indie games. We'll have these in the show notes. Uh, and not all of them are indie. Out of This World, Another World, Sabelle, How Do You Do It, Dysphoria, Mighty Jill Off, and Death Stranding, naturally. Uh, and then uh, we also spoke about Spelunky 2, The Forgotten City, Wilder Myth, and Why Not, A 100 Foot Wave on HBO Max.
1: Uh, that's going to do it for next year. We're going to talk about the Forgotten City and some other stuff. I'm certain of it. But you won't find out exactly what until you join us. So I hope you will be so kind. Till then, uh, thanks for listening to The Besties. And be sure to join us again next time for The Besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends put the world's best games